Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Now, you might, uh, you might not have appreciated, because of everything Christmassy going on, that we are actually in the middle of a series in the Word called Love Builds Up. If you roll back a couple of weeks, you will remember it was smashed up on the wall there on both sides. Love builds up, but now it's full of presents. So we are, can be forgiven for forgetting that's where we are. But that's where we are this morning. We are just coming back into this series of Love Builds Up. So my message this morning is part two of a two-parter. Uh, part one came out as a mid-month message. So you might have seen that in your life groups or in other situations, but it's available on YouTube if you want to watch part one. Um, But I'm going to go into part two this morning. And the message is about his house, okay? So we discover in the book of 1 Corinthians that we are the house of the Holy Spirit, okay? And we're just at the moment in the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians, chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. So everything that I say today and that I said in the mid-month, mes- mid-month that's quite hard to say, isn't it? Mid-month message is all from those first few chapters of 1 Corinthians. So that's your, that's your base point. But what we, what we find in these first few chapters of 1 Corinthians is that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's saying that Look, you are a part of this culture where there are loads of things that could drag you away from following the way of Jesus, and they could overwhelm you, and they could change you, and they could form you, but what we want for you, church, is to change the culture around you. It's to change the culture with the the kingdom culture that's inbuilt in you. So it's, it's the love of God that's in each and every one of us that builds us up and that changes the atmosphere around us as that love not only builds us up, but flows to those around us. It's the love of the kingdom of God. It's the love that with grace and truth speaks about things that are really important. And it's the love of God that is our focus for this book, that love builds up. So, amen. Love's good, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, it was a bit quiet when we talked about love just then, so I just want to check. The love of God is a good thing? Yes, absolutely. Good stuff. Okay, so, his house, part two. Now, in part one, we talked about how his house... Well, actually, can anyone remember? Can anyone remember? It's four H's, okay, because this is a preach, and alliteration is a great thing. So it's four H's, and in part one, we talked about his house was a something house and a something house. Both begin with H. Any, any guesses or informed responses? <laughs> would be better. Well, that's part two, Janet. That's what we're going to do today. But just for part one, which everybody has watched and done in their life groups, that's right, isn't it? Ahead of the game. Love it. Ahead of the game. You know what? Let's not play this game. I will tell you what part one was all about, okay? So... We talked about his house, that we corporately are the house of the Holy Spirit. And you find particular reference to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 16 to 17. Can we get it, Pete? Thank you. So you see there, it says, Don't you realise that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We all together are the house of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. 
And as we build towards those couple of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we pick up along the way in chapters 1 and 2 and 3 some characteristics about this house of the Holy Spirit, this house that we are called to be. So what kind of house did the Holy Spirit want to live in? Well, the first one was a hearing house. Remember? A hearing house. Yes. A hearing house, a harmonious house, or a house of harmony. And today we'll talk about a holy house and a hospitable house. So we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to live in a hearing house. And the verse for that that we had was 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 to 12, which reads, But it was to us that God revealed things by his Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. But you know what? If the Holy Spirit has things that he wants to reveal and show to us and speak to us, then that requires that we are a people that listen. We are a people that hear. The Holy Spirit is always speaking. He's always wanting to show things to us, to reveal things to us about who God is. But we must be a hearing house if we don't want to miss any of that. To be a hearing house, we have to give two things to the Holy Spirit. We have to give him our time and we have to give him our trust. Okay? So it's, it's as you give time to a relationship that that relationship grows, that you get to know more and more about the other person. You can't rush building a good, strong, deep relationship. And it's exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. He is our closest friend. He is the closest relationship that we have. But if we're going to give him our time, we also have to give him our trust. Because if we don't trust that our time is worth giving to the Holy Spirit, because there are more important things to do, then we won't give that time. If we don't trust that that this time invested one-on-one with the Holy Spirit is the most important thing, then we'll give our time to other things because there are other things that are really, really important. There are things, well, for me, there are things like getting the boys ready and out the door for school in the morning. That's really important. There are things like eating and having meals and there are things, you know, loads of different things that are important. But our time given one-on-one with the Holy Spirit is the most important thing. If we are to be a hearing house, if we are to hear from the Holy Spirit who wants to reveal the things of God to us, that's his desire. If we want to hear that, we have to give him our time. And if somewhere along the way our priorities have got a bit mixed up, meaning that there isn't that time for the Holy Spirit, then if I can say this kindly, something's gone a bit wrong. That has to be our first priority. We have to figure out in our own day-to-day lives how we're going to make that work so that there is time to give one-on-one to build relationship in trust with the Holy Spirit. So the question that I just posed to us about this was, what's the last thing you heard God say to you, and what have you done about it? How have you acted about it? If we're a hearing house, we'll be hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, and with that hearing comes obedience and comes response. So you might have thought about some things that you've heard the Holy Spirit say to you and what you've done about that. And then we talked about the fact that we are to be a harmonious house. Everyone say harmonious house. Yes, beautiful. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first couple of verses there, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to a spiritual people. And the reason he says that is because there's so much jealousy and arguing and division among the people. So what he's saying is, I couldn't talk to you like the house of the Spirit, because the house of the Spirit is a harmonious house. And I'm not seeing that displayed. This is what Paul, I'm not saying this, this is what Paul says to the church. 
But he's saying that there's not that harmony there. I can't speak to you like spiritual people. We need to be a harmonious house. And we need to be a people that are in harmony when we're gathered and when we're scattered. Okay? So when we come together, did you know that we come together as the royal priesthood of God? You know, we come to minister to the Lord as his royal priests. Each and every time we gather, we come to minister to the Lord. We've done that this morning. We've ministered to the Lord God as, as royal priests together. But the thing about priests is that they are ready whether they're on duty or not. Okay, so you read in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 5 that the priests, whether they were on duty or not on that particular morning, they had all prepared themselves and come ready to the service. They all arrived at 10 o'clock ready to worship the Lord Jesus. This is a paraphrase. And the presence of the Lord came in such a tangible way, the glory of God was so thick and heavy that they couldn't carry on the service. And you know, that was in response to unity, harmony, readiness together of the gathered people of God. But also when we're scattered, remember in Psalm 133 it says, when brothers dwell together in unity, God commands his blessing of life. And you know that dwelling isn't a static thing, it's not about dwelling together just in one place, but it's as we're around and about that we know that we're dwelling together in unity. So that wherever we are, we are representatives of the house, okay? We're not, just, we're not just scattered from the house, but we're representatives of it. So wherever I am during the week, wherever you are during the week, we represent this house. We represent one another. When I say house, I'm talking about us, not this building. We represent us, the house of the Holy Spirit. So I just ask this question, what house rules should we honour, represent, and protect? Okay, what's our house like? What's this house of the Holy Spirit that we are building like? What house rules, therefore, should we honour, represent, and protect? So, that was just last time, guys. We're not even on to today yet. Whew. Here we go. So, next up in our four-part H series, I was thinking this morning, it's a little bit like, because it's Christmas, it's kind of ho, 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 ho. It's an easy way to remember for the four H's of the house of the Holy Spirit. So there's four of them, ho, 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 ho. I don't know if that helps or not. It helped me um, this morning. But there we go. So we are a holy house. You can't get away from the fact that we are a holy house. It's very much inbuilt into these scriptures that we've been looking at. So if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's have a look at verses 11 to 13. Okay, so just before we get to that first verse about being the house of the Spirit, that was in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 17. But just a few verses before that, here's another characteristic of the house that we see building towards that description of the house of the Holy Spirit. So here's another characteristic that we are a holy house from verse 11. It says, For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. The foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, 
hay or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. Okay, so just hold that in mind for a minute. Christmas time is the celebration of the fact that Jesus was born. Yes? That Jesus, the light of the world, came to earth. He was born in a manger. Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful time of the year. But Jesus was born, and then he lived a holy, sinless, perfect life, and he offered that life as a perfect sacrifice for all of our imperfection, all of our unholiness, all of our sin. Jesus took upon himself all sin, all sickness, and then even death itself, and he defeated all of those things when he was raised from the grave. And you get this verse in Hebrews 10, verse 14, which says that by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Okay, so Jesus Christ made holy or made perfect those who are being made holy. So this foundation of Jesus Christ is our holy foundation, okay? Jesus Christ is the holy foundation that has been laid in our lives. So we are perfect and holy. We have the foundation of Jesus Christ. But we're also being made holy as we build on that foundation together. And so the question becomes, what are we going to build with? The foundation is holy, but how are we going to build a holy house? And this is where our habits and our hardships come into play. Okay, so our habits, it's in the ordinary every day that we build upon this foundation of Jesus Christ and we choose the material with which we're building. Every day, the choices that we're making are forming habits in our lives and they are either taking us towards or away from holiness. And it's like building with gold or silver or costly stones when each brick is the choice to pray, to read the words, to be kind, to forgive, to confess, to be honest, to be generous, to serve others, to be patient. And it's hard work to build with gold. Gold is heavy. Gold is costly. It's much quicker and much easier to build with wood or hay or straw. They cost us less, or in the first place at least. And we build with straw when we choose maybe busyness instead of prayer. When we choose maybe social media instead of the words. Maybe selfishness instead of kindness. Maybe we choose to hold a grudge instead of forgiving. Maybe we choose to feel condemnation instead of confessing. Maybe we choose lies instead of honesty. Maybe we choose stinginess instead of generosity or self-promotion instead of serving others. Maybe we choose short-temperedness instead of patience. Anyone ever done any of those things? I have not done any of those things ever in my whole life. That was a lie. That was a very good example, actually. But you know, those things, they're quick, they're easy, They keep up the facade, but they're straw, okay? That's like building with straw. But the call to the Christian life is to take up our cross daily and to follow him. The call of the Christian life is to offer our lives as living and holy sacrifices to the Lord. 
I don't know if when you became a Christian, somebody said to you, you know what, life's going to be a piece of cake now. It's so easy. You know, you just, you just glide on this, just this cloud of loveliness all the way through to when Jesus returns. You know, if, if you were told that, I'm very sorry, but that's just not the truth. The Christian life is taking up your cross every day, putting your own fleshly desires on your back and following the Lord as he shows us a better way. And God spoke to us and told us that we would be a haven of health, but that it starts with a surrendered life. If we are to be a haven of health, it begins with a surrendered life. And so it's really important that we help one another to be a holy house. That in each day, in these, these, cho- these choices, these making habits, that we are becoming a holy house. Love really does build up, and it's in love, and it's because of love, that we encourage one another, that we all together are his holy house. It's love that builds up. And if the house we're building is a holy house, then we have to love one another enough to call one another out, full of grace, but full of truth, on things so that we can keep building well. And part of that is because fire will test the quality of our building. And that can look like many things, but I just want to talk about fire in the sense of of hardships. You know, when the heat is turned up, when things that are hard come along, which they will, how are we responding to those situations? Will the fire that comes be a fire that burns down or a fire that refines? Because if our holiness is formed in our habits, then our holiness is really forged in our hardships. If our habits have been throwing more and more straw into the building, then when hardships come, that's going to get burned up. But if our habits have been slowly and with hard work adding bricks of gold to the building, then when hardship comes, the structure is going to be tested, but it's going to be refined. It's going to stand strong and be refined. When Simon Gilbo was here a couple of weeks ago, he talked about this this refining process and he made mention of the fact that when a silversmith is refining silver in the fire, he knows that the work is done when he can see his image in the silver, when it's so refined and polished that he can see his image. And isn't that what it's like with the refining fire of God, that that it's it's more and more drawing the image of God out of us? Yeah, it's hard to stay in the fire, but it's, it's... it's doing its work. It's, it's drawing out of us the, the image of God. So I think when, when hardships come, they present to us two options. One, we run out of there and we watch it burn down. But that will leave us homeless and hopeless. Or two, we rebuild that which was weak and we refine that which is strong. You know, when hardships come, things may well get burnt down because we realize, you know what, actually, this is something I've been building with straw. This this is not up to the the task when this hardship has come along. But do we run away and, and just watch it burn? Or do we say, you know what, I need to do some rebuilding here. And I want to build with, with a quality material. I want to build with, with gold, silver, or costly stones that I know are going to stand up to the refining fire. We rebuild that which was weak. And we allow to be refined that which is strong. 
So I'm just going to ask um, Ethan and anyone else that's joining for this bit. Here's a question, and it's not one to, to talk about together. Feel free if you'd like to. But it's just one to consider, and it's a question that I've heard a, a couple of times um, this year. And it's this, when you're squeezed, what comes out? Okay, so when the heat is turned up, what's, what's coming out of you? And there might be some positive things, and there might be some negative things in there, but, but have a, a real proper think about this. And um, we've just got a, a song just to help us in considering this. But when you're squeezed, what comes out? And how is that going to inform the kind of habits that are being put in place so that when the hardships come, we are able to choose a good way of responding to those hardships? Okay, so just have a think, listen to this song, which is wonderful, and we'll pop back in a second. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Greatness of His mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. We cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. We cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. We cry. I think that's a great question to keep asking ourselves um, and it just helps to to put things out and just say you know therefore what habits have really been in place for me that have been forming me towards holiness where I've been really been building with gold or silver or costly stone and what actually wasn't as strong as I thought it was just to, to speak for myself there there have been real challenges this year and some of the infrastructure wasn't as strong as I thought it was. And it's opportunity just to go back and say, you know what, actually, I think I've been building with some stuff that was a bit like straw here. Or maybe wood, maybe it's a bit strong, but it's not strong enough to withstand the fire of, of hardships that have come on it. So it's a good question to keep coming back to in different seasons and just bring it before the Lord again. Okay, so next up, I'm really excited about this point, guys. This is a really good one, okay? We are a hospitable house, 
Everyone say hospitable house. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to have to talk you through my thought process here because this doesn't make immediate sense. And I appreciate that as I'm about to say it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. Now, that doesn't immediately leap out and say hospitality, but this verse, it made me think of in Matthew 10, when Jesus is sending out the 12 and he instructs them to give as freely as they have received. And in Matthew 10, verses 8 to 9, it says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. And then in verse 9, it says, Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. I've included that verse 9 because what I want to say is that this is not about freely giving necessarily material physical things. It's about the freely giving of gifts of eternal consequence. Okay, so freely give gifts of eternal consequence. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. All of these things have eternal consequence as you give them. And the Holy Spirit's desire for us and for this house is to fill us up and pour us out of the house and to freely give to others what we have freely received from him because his house is an open house. And whether his house is in our homes or we're taking his house to someone else's home, his house is a place where all can come and feel welcome and freely receive the eternal gifts that God has freely given. And this made me think of hospitality. Hospitality, creating a place where all can come and feel welcome and freely receive what God has freely given. And I want to talk within this about margins and doors. The two obvious things that you think of when you think about hospitality. Margins and doors, okay? I heard this uh, recently from Pete Gregg from 24-7 Prayer. And he said, people tell me that they have a gift of hospitality by which I think they mean that they like dinner parties and aspire to have beautiful homes and enjoy entertaining exotic, interesting, appreciative guests. Biblical hospitality starts in the heart and not in the IKEA catalogue. It allows for interruption, it goes the second mile, and it welcomes inconvenience. The Greek word for hospitality literally means friendship to strangers. It's about kindness to people who are, quote, strange. To those we don't know, not to friends. This is where we get words like hospital or hostile. It's about care for those who are hurting and welcoming those who are unwelcome elsewhere. To sum it up, I think hospitality is about margins. It's about those who are on the margins of society. It's about those who are on the margins of our own lives, who might be strangers to us, and about those who are in the margins with regards to God and salvation and, and faith. They feel like they're a stranger to God. So they might feel like they're a stranger to society, they might be a stranger to us, or they might be a stranger to God. But the question here for me with margins is, because it's not just about those that are in the margins or on the margins, but for us, how much margin do we have in our own lives to have this kind of hospitality with those that really need it? Do we have the space in what we're doing day to day in the plans that we're making to ensure that there is room for inconvenience, 
for interruption, for things that don't go to plan? Do we have the margin to extend hospi hospitality and to accept hospitality that is going to lead to the giving of these eternal gifts? I'm excited about this because you read in the word this really interesting link between hospitality and between the supernatural and the miraculous and health and life. And God spoke to me at the start of this year and he said it's springtime. It's a time for new life. It's a time for new physical life and it's a time for new spiritual life. To see many people born and to see many people saved and reborn. Since that day, I have heard about the most amount of babies being born that I've ever heard about. There's so many babies being born. And I just want to say that if you are desiring to have children, that, that God's promise is that it's springtime, okay? It's springtime and it's time for new life. Not going to go into lots of that, but it's the promise of God that it's springtime, okay? It's time for physical birth and for spiritual birth and life, health and life in all of its fullness. But you get this really interesting link between hospitality and between this, this new life, this health, this um, abundance that we're talking about. So come with me, would you, to Luke chapter 10. And I just want to draw out what we see here about this link between hospitality and health and life. So Luke chapter 10 and we're just going to read from verse 1 to 9. So, this is Jesus sending out the 70 or the 72... It says from verse 1, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples, and he sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. And then verse 3, it's like, surprise, you're the answer to the prayer. Verse 3 says, Now go, and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveller's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. One pair of sandals is enough, people. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Verse 9, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So it's within this context of accepting, receiving hospitality, of allowing peace to come on the place where you're staying and being there in the context of hospitality that Jesus then says, and then heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near you now. We see this again in Acts chapter 28, where Paul and his trusty companions wind up on the island of Malta. So turn to Acts chapter 28 and just read this short account there. So Acts 28 and 
I'm just going to read verse 1 and 2, and then we're verse 7, 8, 9. So it says, Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people on the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built us a fire on the shore to welcome us. Total strangers, these people, but just the pouring out of hospitality on them. Near the shore where we landed was, this is verse 7, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. And then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. So the whole island receiving the life of God in the context of the hospitality that is shared among them. I love how we see in these two passages that hospitality is a context for seeing the power and life of the Holy Spirit on display. And so do we have the margin to extend hospitality in a way that creates the space for the the giving of these eternal gifts of the life and the power of God? Do we have space outside of of the main text of our life? You know, that blank space, that margin where anything could happen? Do we have that space in our day-to-day? And then I just want to talk about doors, okay? And this is where I might get really excited. Because I was sitting in uh, Julian Bowden's lounge recently. That is exciting by itself. But I was sitting in Julian Bowden's lounge um, and I was praying with Andrew and with Tim and with Julian, and with myself, and with the Lord. And it was about 8.50, I want to say, p.m., and Andrew shared from Isaiah 52, verse 7, where it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, and who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. And we carried on praying, and there was this sort of buzzing noise in the background which was the heating the heating was buzzing away buzzing away and then at nine o'clock the grandfather clock struck 9 p.m so nine bongs around the clock and then straight away it was deadly quiet and God spoke to me very clearly in that quietness and he said peace is opening the door for salvation The time has come, says God, that peace will now open the door for salvation. We have been praying for salvation and we've been seeing salvation, but there are so many people that we are connected to that do not know the Lord Jesus. And God spoke to me and he said, the time has come, the clock bonged and it was quiet, and the time has come that peace will open the door for salvation. And one of the grains that you see through these different stories is that the disciples go and they say, let peace be on this house. And it's within the context of peace that that then opens up hospitality. And we are men and women of peace, okay? God's called us to be men and women of peace. We have living inside of us the Prince of Peace. 
God with us, Emmanuel, the eternal father, the prince of peace living in each one of us. And at this time, in this season, for us right now, God says that peace will open the door for salvation. And as we were praying recently in the prayer meeting on Wednesday, uh, my dad brought an encouragement that there is a particular grace on us for this time to go that little bit further in in our questions and in our conversation with those about faith. Because in the context of peace, there's grace from God to continue the conversation, to bring people towards a point of salvation. That should really excite us. That is incredible that God has salvation on the horizon for us, that as we are men and women of peace, that that peace will open the door for salvation. Do you believe that? Peace will open the door for salvation. When the angel appears to the shepherds in the Christmas story, he says, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of the saviour. Do not be afraid. There's good news. There's a saviour. And you know, all around us, there are people that need to know that. Do not be afraid. There is good news. There is a saviour, Jesus Christ. Because there is fear and confusion all around us. All around us and all within lots of people. There's confusion and there's fear. And the peace of God comes to cut through the noise. To say, I see all of that confusion, but do not be afraid. There's good news. There's a saviour that sees people's fear and says, do not be afraid. There's good news. There's a saviour. Again, Simon Gilbert, who was with us a couple of weeks ago, he talked about this paradigm that people are living in at the moment because of COVID and the fear of the unknown and just, just fear in general that is just gripping so many people because of the traumatic experience that a whole world went through not too long ago. We have to acknowledge that that's a real thing for people, that people are living in fear. That's terribly sad, but it's also true. People are living in fear, and we are people of peace that have come to say there's good news, there is a saviour. And the word of God for us is that we are these people of peace to open the door for salvation. So God just showed me a little picture of Um, our hands and doors and whether it's you're opening your own door handle to let people into your home to extend hospitality and to lead people to salvation or whether it's your hand knocking on someone else's door and you're going as a person of peace to walk in to receive hospitality and to know that's the context for the power and the life and the salvation of God that just that image of our hands on the doors our hands on the door handles that that can be something that we remember from today. That whenever we open a door, whenever we knock on a door, that we know that peace will open the door for salvation. So, here is a question which you can talk about with the person next to you. And it's this. Is your house an open house where you can freely give what you have freely received? Okay, you don't need to necessarily think about your physical house, but we together are the house of the Holy Spirit. So are we, are you a house that's open where you can freely give what you freely receive, those gifts of eternal consequence? Have a chat, see what you think. I want to pray, and at the point of praying about us being people of peace and our hands on doors, if you just want to receive that for yourself, that that Lord, today would you anoint my hands 
for this. Would you just raise your hands? You can raise your hands for the whole thing if you like, but particularly at that point, then that would be wonderful. So, Lord, I want to thank you that we are the house of the Holy Spirit. Lord, what a wonderful thing that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Almighty God, has chosen to dwell in each of us, laying that foundation of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, Lord, I want to pray that you would help us to form habits of holiness that mean that when the, the fire of hardships come, Lord, that we would find that we've built with, with gold and with strong materials that would, that would stand the, the test of those times, Lord. Lord, would you help us to rebuild where we need to, Lord? And would you help us not to, to run away from, from a burning house, Lord, but to, to stay close to you throughout the whole process, Lord Jesus? And Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, that, that your desire is to... Uh, well, you say, Lord, that you, you stand at the door and knock and that anyone that opens the door, you will come in and, and eat with them, Lord. You love to spend time in the presence of hospitality and you love to inject your life and your power into those situations, Lord. And I want to pray for us at this time, Lord, Lord, that during this season, we would be people of peace, Lord, that we bring peace into all of the situations that we go into, Lord. And particularly as we open and knock on doors at this time, Lord, would you anoint our hands right now, Lord, that we would have those hands that we know that we're opening a door to salvation, Lord, that we're people of peace opening a door to salvation, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to pray that we would see many people saved and brought into your kingdom, Lord. Lord, we want to pray that your name would be glorified among us, Lord, as you're lifted up, Lord, as you're exalted, as people come and bow the knee before you and say that Jesus Christ reigns. Lord, would you change people's lives as they come to you, Lord? Lord, would you restore and make whole, Lord? Lord, would you heal and do miracles, Lord, and perform signs and wonders, Lord, that bring people towards a point of repentance and faith in you, Jesus Christ? Lord, we thank you that you are the only way and you are the best way that we could possibly think of, Lord. Lord, and we just want to commit ourselves to you afresh, Lord, surrender our lives to you afresh, Lord, and give our hands to you this morning, knowing that you can breathe your life and power into all that we do at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.